you do something right now the word of the Lord is going to come forth and I want you to be ready to receive how many are ready to receive from the word of the Lord today I want you to do this for me if you will I want you to just put your hand on your heart if you will just for a second I want you to say Lord open my heart to your word Lord let me receive what you have for me today let me with an open heart let you, the King of kings and Lord of lords, come into my heart today, Father. Let there be a spirit of joy and peace and love. Come on, say it in Jesus' name. We declare victory in this house in Jesus' name. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. We declare that every unclean spirit would leave this room and that our minds would be free to follow after the word of God. We declare not by our word, but by your word, Lord. You said, <laughs> resist the devil and he shall flee from us. Today, Father, we believe that you're going to speak to our hearts. And let the church say in Jesus' name. Mm. Ha. Ha. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Bishop, would you come? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Rabba Hako Shotoriata. In Jesus' name. Today, I pray that you will open your heart to the man of God, my bishop, W.E. Hutchins. He's not just been a bishop, but he has been a friend, a protector, someone that has walked beside me. And more importantly, he's walked behind me to catch all the enemy's arrows. <laughs> and I'm thankful for this man. If you love the Lord and are thankful for his men that deliver the word of God, would, would you give God a giant hand of praise today? Would you just give that hand clap of praise to the Lord Jesus Christ and magnify him with a shout. He is the triumphant king. He is the El Elyon robed in flesh. He is the God omnipotent who is our wonder he is the El Shaddai that makes ways when there seemeth to be no way he is the providential caretaker of our every need there is no place that we will find ourselves stranded from his presence for he is the God who abides over us 
if you are serving that God, the only Lord God, would you exalt him one more time? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is my great honor to be with you, and I have longed to be with you. These last 35 months, there's been an enemy that's been against me coming up here. But I'm glad to be here. In the tundra of the, I mean, uh, in Michigan, I'm glad to be here. Amen. What a presence of God that we enjoy this morning, and I won't belabor the point, but I can't begin to tell you how much I love and honor your bishop, your pastor. Um, someone asked me what our relationship is like, and it's not an ordinary uh, reciprocating ministry, ministerial relationship. I know that I look younger than he is. But I'm quite a bit older. You didn't laugh like you had any faith in that statement. Um, and I, in many ways, I consider him almost as a spiritual son because our families go so far back and I've known him and I've walked with him and I love him. And I have the privilege of pastoring his brother and I get to see him weekly and every time that I am interacting with Tony, who is one of our elders, I always am reminded of the deep fellowship and the roots that we have. And Brother Doug has been on our prayer chain, 24-hour-a-day prayer chain, for all of these many months, and people have been calling his name out every day, every hour of the day. And so we celebrate with you. Can you say amen? Praise God. I know you've been standing a while. Uh, and you can remain standing if you want to. But if you don't, you may be seated in Jesus' name. I, I have so many things that I want to share with you this morning that um, I may appear to be just a little Elon grabbing different aspects of the ethereal and pulling them into the terrestrial. Would that be all right? Some of you are looking at me like, where is this guy from? Uh, there's a couple of things that I want to encourage you in doing and if you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life I would encourage you to start praying right now in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and using your language of prayer and I know that some may not be familiar with that kind of language but I'm talking about your spirit man praying because God's about to bring a shift in this house I'm not up here just to enjoy a weekend I'm here on an assignment and that is to shift everything in your world. And you're about to step into a brand new dimension of understanding and you're going to realize that what has happened to you has not been for your destruction and your grieving day is over. You're in the last few moments of grieving over what you perceived you lost because revelation is about to impact you and help you understand that anything that left you was God's design to strip from you the thing that would keep you from stepping into where he's taking you. You ought to get ready to rejoice. In fact, the most... Ah, 
the most expensive real estate in this building is right up here. And I'm wondering why we vacated the place that is most precious to all of us. So you need to be praying in the Holy Spirit right now and say, God, I want you to take me to a new dimension. In fact, this darling right here, I haven't seen her since she was younger, 17, 18. You three sisters, you were the singers up here that I talked to the last time I was here. Your sound is different. You stepped into a prophetic tone. Come up here right now. Come up. The prophetic anointing of the Lord is in your song. You have a Davidic anointing. Don't let the emptiness, don't let this vestibule up here where nobody's occupying this land discourage you because you're slaying giants. Ah, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the fire of the living God, I thank you for this minstrel who is defeating the sound of the enemy with a voice of praise and adoration in Jesus' name. There's authority growing in your life. Yield to it. Let the fire of God flow through you in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Somebody ought to give God praise. Hallelujah. That's it, that's it, that's it. Keep praying because I'm just going to speak for a few moments and then I plan to pray for anybody who's been struggling. And God's about to elevate you and move you. He's about to change the tenor and the complexion of your praise. Because heretofore, you've been trying to praise your way out of your past. But God's about to show you something by revelation that's going to help you understand he's accelerated time. He's not standing in the same rhythm he was last year. He's not moving by the same currents he was last year. He's got a whole new shift in the earth. And it's only going to be those provocative voices of prophecy who will stand on the winged word that he declares over his cities. And he says, I will make you my citadel and you will be my people and I will be your God. Hallelujah. Shout with me these words. I shall not want. I shall. I, I know that may seem theologically elementary, but I'm going to say it till you get a revelation of it. I shall not want. Everything in your culture has been trying to reshape you and reformat you and reform you into believing that every need you have can be supplied by your safety and obedience. And God's looking for a people who will stand in the apocalypse 
apocalyptic season that they live in and take hold of his word and believe him in spite of what your culture is demanding from you. It's high time that we shift from seeking a God in the platitudes of praise that are born out of a relationship of a melody of love and hoping that he blesses us individually with a new car and a new clothing rack. And we shift into the book of Acts and stand again squarely in the middle of what he's doing with his awesome presence. It doesn't matter what it cost me. It doesn't matter what I sacrifice. It doesn't matter what I must bring to God. What I must have is cancer fleeing. What I must have is a sign and a wonder and a miracle that he is with me. And if he be with me, who can be against me? Some of you in this room have had your brains beat out. And you have had, you've suffered so much loss that you've been standing in the vestibule of what's next. What else can happen? What else are you going to do, Lord? What else am I going to lose? How many more will walk away from me? How many more children will disappoint me? God is here to shift you. If you're willing to step from the traditions that we have formed in the last 50 years in American westernized Christianity where we love church that is safe. It's all right if we're Pentecostal as long as we're not too Pentecostal. It's all right if God moves as long as we can manage it and close it down by 12. Oh, y'all may never have me back, but I'm going to tell you. It's all right if we have an expression of the Spirit as long as it doesn't disturb my hairdo. That's believing we still have hair. We have created a culture, a pseudonym that we called Christianity, and we formed our own Jesus, and we like him because he gives us everything we want. But the God of the Bible is looking for a people who will become radicalized, who will step into the chambers of the unforeseen with an eye to see what the world cannot and start dictating to culture what God said versus allowing culture to inform them how far their faith can be exercised. Uh, you didn't hear what I just said. It's high time for you to pull up your bootstraps, look the devil in the eye, and go back to the book and remind the enemy that you're not here to fight a fight and see if a contest can be won. You're here to exercise dominion for the victor who has already won. 
We're not in a contest to see who can decide the outcome. We already know what the back of the book has said. And all of culture is reading the back of the book on the front page of their headlines. We just need some people who worship God like he's real. You can be filled with head knowledge, but if you don't have an experience, then all you are is a walking emblem of theoretical science. And the world is puking over theoretical sciences that are formed in the bastions of what we call religion. God is looking for a people who will become experiential with him, who will interact with him, who are willing to see what the world cannot see and be bold enough to proclaim it. Here's what the Lord spoke to me. And I told a little bit to your pastor last night, hoping that he would send me back on a plane. But he said, I'm keeping you. Here's what the Lord said. It's plain as day. My people must apprehend what I'm doing. And smite the fear they've entertained. The bellicose voice of the enemy that has been trying to seize your mind and rob you of your fidelity to faith that devil has already been defeated but our problem is when we look back over the canons of our life most of us have a theoretical understanding of what God can do simply because we've been born in a vacuum of living in a world where Christianity has been defined by the smoke the haze the lights and the sound And God has made a shift in the earth. He doesn't care about your smoke haze. Like you can have all. Just smoke it up all you want to. But if you've got the smoke and the haze and the lights, but don't have his presence, the world is walking out. The world would rather have somebody on a 10-string guitar, if they even have one of those. I don't know how many strings are on them. But if they have a six-string guitar sitting on a, on, on a crate in the middle of a barn with no lights, no sound, no smoke, and they can't even sing. But they walk into that barn and the power of God is moving and the angels of God are ministering and the messengers of God are speaking and they fall out in the floor. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's called old-time religion. That's what your fathers were born in. That's what your grandfathers experienced. And we've become so refined, we don't want to be defined like that anymore. And God said, I'm back with an old-time antiquated move that will rip the throat out of your accuser. Let it be said from this day forward that we don't allow our education to stand against his expression. We can become as articulate as we would like to be, but if we ever lose the need for him, we'll find ourselves in incorrigible places.
prisons made with our own vacations. God's looking for a dangerous people. The last time I was here, God moved miraculously. And he moved for many, many people. And God spoke directly to some people. And through the last 30 months, they have believed that all of their blessing was given to them as an individual. When they did not deserve, God gave them that blessing in this house at this altar for his church. Yeah, I know. I can feel you. You ready for me to preach? Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not want. The word want means to lack something. To be absent of a thing. To have a need. And all of us have been challenged physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The devil has done everything he can do to separate you from the living word. He didn't work nearly as hard to shut down Walmart and Home Depot. He didn't mind the bars and the saloons remaining open. He didn't have a contest over the theaters staying open. What he wanted to make certain was that the Christian church would seize its operations, silence its voice, and vacate its pews. But it's high time for you to understand it was the enemy after all. And God has been giving us, he has granted to us this opportunity to prove him herewith and see that his provision is not limited to us. One of the most elemental structures in comfort given to us in scripture is Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But how many people do you know that claim to be Christian have lived this last season in their life desperate because they were fearful they were in want? The Bible says God supplies. He will supply. He will supply. He will provide for my every need. He is the creator of my life. I'm talking about my encapsulating all of us. Your life. Say, he is my creator. He knows my need. I shall not want. You ought to say that until you get a conviction enough to tell the spirit world, I will not want. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to make it up. I don't know what hedge he's going to build around me. I don't know what protection he's going to send me. But I know I shall not want. Somebody shout, he's my joy. He's my strength. He's my peace. I declare God is my God. I shall not want. And one of the greatest enemies 
that we've been fighting is the fear of lack. Because the world has been disrupted. And the shifts that have been taking place economically have been as if they appear to be robbing you. Stability is gone. Plans and purposes are gone. All of the incremental blessings that you've accrued and you've stored in that retirement plan seems to be vulnerable now. And the world is filled with fear and if we're not careful, we will assemble bringing that fear into his sanctuary. And uh, I, I want to tell you that God has come and he's saying, when you come into my presence, you must allow my presence to remove from you the primary reason of heart failure in your culture. I want to remove from you the cloak of lack. I want to remove from you the fear of doing without. I want to remove from you the fear of uncertainty. I want to give you the riches of Canaan. I want to make certain you have aspirations and dreams that are born from the throne room of God. I want you to talk to me. I want to interact with you. I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. He didn't come to give us misery. And he did not come for us to live as misers. Living on an existence of misery and greed. Hoarding everything we earn. Refusing to bring a sacrifice of praise. What is in your hand? Is it food to eat or a seed for tomorrow? We live in this inescapable place where we have cordoned off our lives and we've made them very safe in the perimeters of our religious understanding. And as long as we move within that specified province where we are familiar with those memorials and those consecrations that we've made, as long as we can see them, we feel as if we're in the proper place. But the moment the world starts shaking and memorials fall down, we can either be absconded by the enemy into a place that we were never made for, or we can get busy reclaiming our memorials and rebuilding them. So I want to rush through this real quickly because I have 15 minutes. I've concluded that most of us and the spiritual battles that we experience today are not because we're broken. We have um, canonize the ministry of meeting personal needs to the point that we've raised a generation to believe that the church is all about them and their expression 
And if the church doesn't cater to their specific expression, then that church is wrong for them and they should take their gift and leave and go somewhere else that celebrates them. We have institutionalized personal performance and the betterment of self until preachers sound like psychologists. And the psychobabble that they profusely speak over pulpits is nothing more than self-engrandized talk and it's, it's building up the person, it's building up their influence, it's making them the best version of themselves. May I tell you boldly that God has made a judgment against that. And he's calling for people who are willing to walk away from that and get back to the reality that God loves his church. And I'm not here to see what the church can do for me. I'm put here to do something for God's house. And the thing that we collectively bring into the house of God is the unities of our spirit and the reality that we are one with him and the diversity of our gifts are now blended together to make a symphony and a sound of praise that the world cannot silence, the world cannot handle. And when we start singing with our gifts and our talents and our praise, we become the ones who take over. We are not victims. We are deliverers. We sing a new song. We sing it boldly. We sing it confidently. And we know that whatsoever that thing is that plagues your mind or your spirit, if it be a devil, it must go. In the name of Jesus, for the glory of his name, and the posterity of his house. God's not calling us to see churches fail across America. God's church is recalled, reclaimed, and demanded to come before the throne and recenter itself around the posture of pure Pentecostal experience. Lord, we will wait until you move. And yes, there will be some that walk away. In fact, there were 500 that were invited, but God had to wait till 76% of them were culled, separated, segregated, eliminated. The prayer meeting lasted too long. <laughs> the, the prayer meeting was too intense. It, uh, there were too many times that we were standing there waiting for something to happen and the pastor wouldn't say anything. And so, you know, I was hungry and I had to go to McDonald's and I, I had to get something to eat and I had to take care of my business. But when 120 said, we're not leaving. <laughs> we're not leaving until our Savior commissioned us to tarry until you be endued with power from on high. 
not from your world and not with the physical accoutrements that you can obtain by the marginalization of the spirit because you are a conquest of intelligence. He didn't call you to be an intelligentsia. He called you to be a tabernacle until he could make you a temple. I got to hurry because I'm not getting past the introduction. I came to challenge some of you. Our problem is not because we have been broken. That's not our challenge. But cultural, uh, cultural inclinations will help you define that you're lacking something because something's missing in you. Because it's all about self. And God is shaking the church, the entirety of the church worldwide. He's shaking the church to see who can discern what he's doing in this hour. And the thing that he's wanting to awaken us to the reality of is that I'm not here to satisfy something that you're questing for because you think you're broken. I'm here to invite you into a shift from a worldview to a celestial view. You have heretofore been looking from earth to heaven. I want you to be called up yonder and see from a celestial view what I have arranged for you. And if you ever change the direction of your language to start speaking from what God said and where God is and what God is doing down to your condition, your whole worldview changes. Somebody shout, I will acquire a mature celestial worldview. In fact, you might want to put your hand on your head and say, God, give me a celestial worldview. Because now I'm stepping into partnership with heaven. Now I'm stepping into a place where I'm a co-laborer of heaven's messengers. I'm moving into a place where I'm going to possess a celestial worldview because now I realize that the season of me just identifying devils and identifying problems and identifying needs and identifying lack and identifying all of my challenges, I can rebuke the devil all day long, but God's looking for somebody to become a partner with him from a celestial worldview and stop talking to your devils and start talking to your angel. Oh, you just missed that. We are very proficient in describing the malady, the ailment. Oh, my God, you know, sis, that sounds like rheumatoid arthritis to me. My God, oh, my Lord. You better get sick. And this pill prescription, you better go see this doctor. You better get that. My God, you better get to the pharmacy tomorrow. Hallelujah. And then when you get all that done, maybe you'll feel good enough to come to prayer meeting. Is this, all, is this all right? I'm, I preach like this in Texas. I don't know if it's all right. My Lord, I'm just glad to be here. Oh, God. Oh, I barely made it in. We all have that feeling. And the older you get, the more you have that feeling. You have ailments you didn't have 20 years ago. You have things hurting you didn't even know you possessed. But we have to stop focusing on what we need. 
and start looking at who he is and what he has done and who he has assigned to us. Do you know that everyone in this room has an angel with you? Not standing in the foyer and not waiting in the yard, not occupying the, the transportation lot. They're not out there, they're in here. This room is full of angels. But we rarely, if at all, acknowledge them. Is this okay? You know why we don't do that? Because we've not been educated to do that, first of all. And secondly, the only ones we've known that have ever done that were very weird. And we don't want to get weird. I'm not talking about angel worship. I'm not talking about getting off on some tangent. I'm talking about the Word of God. Did you know that your Bible says that one of the signs of the end time is there's going to be an acceleration of the visibility of God's messengers. Your angels are going to appear. And they're going to appear because there's an acceleration of manifestation of demonic power. And if the world can get you focused on what the devil is doing and get you trapped into the entertainment of what if over here, you'll never speak to God's messenger. We need to change the vocabulary of how we talk. God, tell me what you're saying. CNN is not my information center. Fox News is not my information center. Political pundits are certainly not my... Lord, I want to hear from you. And I want you to command the angel that you've assigned to me to guard me and walk with me, fight for me, talk to me. And the more we build expectancy in our life, the more we see the supernatural. That's why if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you should be speaking in other tongues right now. And there should be something changing in you because the imminent return of Jesus Christ is on the doorstep. Nothing else has to happen. God's not going to give you 25 more years and a, you know, a retirement plan and you get to go to Disney World at your beck and call. No, 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 no. Forget all of that. Jesus is coming back. And you better get so hungry for the reality that he is here and you are on assignment. You're not living for a relaxing time. You're not living for a retirement income. You're not living for your grandchildren. You're living to make sure all of them go to heaven. And you've got to get on fire and start praying like, God, you said you were going to give me my children. And I'm praying they walk in the back door today. This church has got to recover her enunciation of expectancy. Spirit of God, birth in me an expectancy. I'm not coming with the attitude that I'm passing time at church. And if something happens, that's great. I'm walking in here like, God, exactly what do you want to do with me? And if you have that, you won't have this empty. 
This is a curse when it shows up on that camera and all of the whole front row is empty. Somebody ought to be on the front row going, God, what do you have for me today? you want me to lay hands on today talk about all of you who did you come to minister to today we came to minister to him but if we change our celestial worldview and we get into the book we recognize that at the end of time the angels of God the messengers of God are going to appear to us because every visible thing you know has been put in the charge of an angel. Some of you don't believe me. Angels are God's messengers. Angels are God's kingdom delegates. Angels accomplish his kingdom purposes. Angels are assigned to you. And they're assigned to you and to me to accomplish the purpose of God in our life so that we assist him in the sovereign administration of the kingdom of heaven on earth. You're not here as a spectator. You have an assignment to be a part of his administration. You come here on an assignment. You come here to do a job. And you don't do it alone. You're walking with the messenger of God. So we should become comfortable asking the Lord to speak to us. And if he so desires, show us our angel and let us hear what you have commanded our messenger to tell us. Oh, I know this is radical, but it is actually the Bible. Now, I don't have time for this this morning because I don't have time. But I'm going to give you a, an assortment of different facts. And we're going to run from Genesis to the revelation of Jesus Christ quickly. You ready? We live in a world that we assume is hyper-intellectual. And it's the best it's ever been. But the reality is that paradise, the Garden of Eden, was the most perfected estate and province of all creation. You gonna shout about that or not? See, I need you to decide which side you're on. Are you for paradise or against it? Because I'm gonna make an apologetic and I'm gonna convince you of the reality that God does not intend for you to do life alone. He wants to fill you with his spirit so that you have his mind and you are equipped with his power. But he also wants you to have your eyes to see what only you have been commissioned to see. Because if he can ever get you to see, he can turn on your expectancy. And if you ever become expectant, you'll have revival. And nothing will defeat you. And everyone you meet will be converted by the testimony of Jesus Christ in your life. So here's Adam and Eve. They're created from the dust of the ground. The angels are created by the word of God in the celestial. But he creates a province in the earth called Eden. 
And that's not just a garden. It's not a beautiful garden. You know, the southern living kind. Do y'all have southern living up here? Okay. Northern living. Okay, well, okay, whatever that garden is. Eulah land. This is not a precinct and definition by meets and bounds for beautiful uh, migratory birds and, and the, uh, the verdant greens of creation. It's not just there to look at like a garden zoo. It is the present place of God's abode where the unseen interact with the seen, where the mortality of man is joined by the visitation and the accompaniment of angels. And they interact as if it's ordinary business. In other words, this is the one place on earth God designed for humanity to speak to and live life with his messengers. We know this by the first book and the first chapter in the first book. And when you read the book of Genesis, you realize that Satan comes as a serpent. Not the garden variety snake that you think of when you think of a serpent. This creature is an angel. And he's the most intelligent being in all of creation. And he comes and speaks to Eve. She didn't freak out and run to Adam and say, Oh my God, you can't believe this, but this thing is talking to me. She began to have a, convert, a, a conversation. She began to converse with this creature because it was absolutely normal. We were made to see. I'm going to drop this nugget on you and I'm going to run. You ready? Adam, God calls him, God breathes on him, he gives him the dominion of earth because he's the only one entitled to rule over earth because he was the one born out of earth. Did you just miss that? Angels were dispatched here as God's messengers from his throne in the governance and in the affairs of earth to meet man in God's province. But man was given dominion over the earth and God calls everything he creates and commands them to assemble, line up and pass by Adam to see what Adam will call them. And when Adam calls every creation by name, he sees differently than you and I see. He sees in multi-dimensions. He sees the personality, he sees the character, and he sees the nature. We know this by the way he described the serpent. When he identifies the serpent, he identifies him as a serpent, verb, as a noun, serpent, the shining one. The one that is most brilliant, he sees through his nature. And he says he's a deceiver, he's a shining one, and he is a liar. He looks through his nature and he's able to describe him and name him by what he sees in multiple dimensions. When we see, we only see the physical. 
That's the price of our father's sin. But God is bringing us back to a place where in the end of time, we're going to be able to see again the things that God has ordered for us and the messengers he's assigned to us if we're not playing church. I had two minutes. You ready? Skip forward to Genesis, the sixth chapter. I won't spend a lot of time on this, but there's such a thing as a Nephilim where the sons of God, fallen angels, have relationships with the daughters of men and they give birth to this grotesque demonic thing called Raphim. This is where you see in the scripture giants. And there were five giants that plagued Israel all of her days until David. Moses fought them. Joshua fought them. For 400 years, they terrorized Israel, the people of God. Saul wouldn't take them out. But David rises up as a lad. He meets the first giant named Goliath. Goliath in Hebrew means exile. Goliath, his assignment, his demonic assignment was to keep the people of God in exile away from the precinct that God had established for them. The devil has worked for the last 35 months to keep some of you out of where God assigned you. I'm going to try it one more time. The reason that you've had such a struggle and a battle is because you've not been battling culture and circumstance and dilemma alone. There has been a spirit behind it that has tried to war with you and keep you out of the promises of God. But if you ever see who it is and you call them by name, you can dispatch the one who is assigned to you will take them out. Is this all right? Goliath, run with me real quickly. I won't spend a lot of time. You know the story, I'm sure. David slays him. But in, this, in, in the doing of so, he says, uh, You defile the name of God. And you defile the precinct of God, the place of God. So he bends down in the brook Ebal and he picks up five smooth stones. He didn't pick up five stones because he thought he was going to miss with one. He picked up five stones because there were five giant giants and he well intended that after he took care of Goliath, he was going after the other four. He was going to remove every giant that terrorized Israel and kept them from the promises of God. What I'm trying to speak to you, church, is that you have to stop being so kind that you put up with the devil that's tormenting you and you've compromised at a seat of a table because somebody told you in the last season that if you're a Christian, you're only to love people and, you know, Christians behave and we don't say anything that's ugly. God's looking for a warfare mentality. He made you a priest and a king. 
The shift is this. He showed us his love for 50 years. Now he's going to return us back to his awe. And when you come in this room, you can expect the awe of God. And the awe of God meets your enemies. The love of God met you to save you. The awe of God, his holiness, his presence becomes a comfort and a safety to you while it terrorizes and defeats your enemy. So I got to run real quickly. You ready? He kills him. He strikes him. And then he cuts his head off just like he said he would. He runs with his head back to Jerusalem, but because Jerusalem was a holy city, he could not enter into a holy place with a carcass. So he comes to the gates of Jerusalem, and he stands upon the hill that is outside the gate nearest to Jerusalem, which is, you ready? This holy sacramental place of traditional sacrifice. You know it in your Bible as now called Golgotha. Golgotha means Goliath of Gath. The hill of the skull. You still don't have it? It's the place where David ran to and held up the head and celebrated the head of Goliath. One of these demonic forces, these, these children of the Nephilim, these, these grotesque figures that were larger than life that terrorize you in your faith, he's holding up his head and he says, the giant has fallen. And we're going to celebrate him. And all of Israel called that place from then to now Golgotha, the hill where Goliath's head would hang and we would celebrate its decimation and destruction. It's the hill called Skull Hill. And Jesus comes back. And with that bloody, powerful, drives the shaft of that cross into Skull Hill and hangs and though his feet had been bruised with the nail oh, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost and though his nail printed feet were hanging above that Skull Hill I want you to know when his blood dripped on Skull Hill he crushed the head of that giant and you don't ever have to tolerate a Goliath in your life again He fulfilled prophecy of the house of David. And I could tell you about the other four giants, but I don't have time. Habakkuk said these words. The messengers of God comes quickly because time will speed up. We have to understand our God is sovereign. I wish I had time for this. Ezekiel said, I see a wheel in the middle of a wheel. You know what the wheel in the middle of the wheel is? Time. Time. Our God is the only sovereign who controls time 
because he stands above and outside of time. He is the definition of time. That's why he can stop it. He can call it back. He can give more time. But the Bible says that at the end of the age, at the cusp of the coming of the Lord, time will speed up. And that's why you're seeing an acceleration of everything. You're living through one of the major shifts that's going to redefine the way you live right now. And it's called artificial intelligence. It's going to be as big as you first hearing about this new contraption called a cell phone. In fact, this week they launched the first McDonald's that is fully automated. Something otherworldly made your hamburger. Time is accelerating. And if we are only here to recapture what we think we've lost in the last season, we'll never see what God is doing. So here it is. Are you ready? Time shall be no more. But the messengers of God at the end of the age will be called to assemble and work. How many of you have a need in your life where you want to learn how to converse with God more fluidly, more communicably, more intelligently, so that when you speak to him, you have a full expectation that he can show you his glory and you walk in his awe. And if he so desires to make an angel move things out of the way for you or make room for you or tell you a command or a commission from God's throne room itself, you have Bible to believe it. Here it is. I'm closing with this. They were praying for Peter's deliverance in the book of Acts. They were praying for Peter's deliverance, believing God to do it. And Rhoda comes to the door, a little servant girl. She comes to the door and says, Peter's at the door. This proves the Hebraic mind and how they believed culturally that they should interact with the unseen. And their retort was, no, it's not him. It's his angel. Because the Jew understood that their angel could take on their persona. You just missed that. Abraham said, I saw the angel of God, but he appeared as a man. I'm here this morning to pray for you and believe God to shift you that from this day forward, you're never going to struggle with what if again. That when you come in this building, you have such an expectancy for the supernatural, you would be absolutely disappointed in having a traditional church service. In fact, you would take personal responsibility to make certain it was not so. Let it be put away from us that we're here only to pass time and to perform a religious function. We're here because of obligation or duty or tradition. 
let it be said that we come assembled together to see the majesty of God revealed. And if God will reveal it in any one of our brothers and sisters, he will do it for us. Let us put away these childish elemental understandings that says, I've got to live with this, uh, this, this condition. I've got to live with this vice. I, I, I'm just tormented and plagued by it. It's always been with me. What if we started believing for the supernatural power of God to be manifested and chains to come off? Nicotine, you've been a giant in my life, but I rebuke you. And I thank you, Lord, for sending me your messenger who is going to reinforce my victory through Christ Jesus, my Lord. And you're going to equip me and help me and protect me and deliver me from my own weakness. I'll tell you what you'd do. You'd see deliverance. When you start talking the will of God to God and declaring for him to send his messenger to you, that is the coming of the Lord for you. Command your angel, he said. Command him. Command him. Command him. This sounds so foreign to us. Like, are you serious? Command your angel. Command them. I've given them charge over your affairs. Tell them what to do. And we don't do it. Because first of all, we've not been taught how to do it. And secondly, we don't want to appear to be foolish. But what if we were sitting at a red light, having a full-blown conversation with someone no one else can see? We're afraid of what they think. But if your life is filled with the glory of God and the angel of God is with you, open that door. Lord, I'm thanking you for opening that door right now. I'm thanking you for making a way for me right now. Now, I know that I'm here on assignment for someone. It may not be for everyone, but it's for someone. Because I met the demon power Friday night at 3.33 in the morning that has tormented and plagued your life and claimed victory over you. And I'm here to tell you that the angel of the living God has already defeated that thing. And you don't have to walk out of here a prisoner of your own vice. You don't have to walk out of here a prisoner to the devices of your own life. You can set your heart, I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, you can set your heart ablaze with the freedom and the fire of a new liberty that says, I will never be defined by that thing again. It has, it's nothing more than a chronicle testimony of what God did for me. I'm never going to be defined by my weakness again. You are not your sin. I'm going to try it one more time. You are not your worst sin. You are not your worst weakness. You are the son and the daughter of God. And he wills to deliver you and heal you and anoint you and use you. Wrong thinking. Got to go. I won't entertain wrong thinking again. 
Dilemma? You're not occupying my praise. Golgotha. Contraction of Goliath of Gath. That hill now known as Skull Hill. Transfigured in time as the place of our Calvary. How many of you right now want to be set free? And I'm not talking about from some big... I'm just talking about wrong thinking. I need an adjustment, Lord. I haven't... See, when we don't make the right adjustments, we don't praise with thanksgiving. We praise out of pity and obligation, and I hope so. Lord, I don't know why that happened to me. I don't know why you let that happen to me. And I really, I've got a bad attitude about it, Lord. I'm just going to praise you uh, because I know I'm supposed to. But, but if you have this expectancy that the supernatural is with you, there's like this giddy expectancy. God, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do today? How are you going to use me today? I could be in that youth room and say one word that becomes prophetic for a life and it changes the course and trajectory of their entire life. What are you going to give me today, God, to share with somebody else? How many of you want to be a soul winner? How many of you want to be a soul winner? How many of you want to be a soul winner? Every person that wants to be a soul winner, I want you to come up here in the spirit of Hebrews, the 13th chapter. We're not going to forget to entertain our strangers. Because we have entertained some in the past that we thought were merely strangers. But they were the angel of God. We need doors supernaturally to open. Because the angel of God has come. The nearness of the coming of the Lord requires us to get out of our places of comfort, to get into our place of strategy. The angel of God has been given charge over you. Your guardian angel walks with you. The voice of God reverberates through you. The power of God has been commissioned to you. There is no form of weapon. There is no weapon that shall ever be formed or fabricated that can overwhelm you. The angel of God that walks with you will free you from your jailhouse while he touches the heart of your enemy and your enemy that wanted to put you in jail their heart will turn to stone and they will be eaten with worms and die by the same hand that blessed you. I'm, I'm talking about the power of God and his messengers for you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm talking about fully surrendered people now. Fully surrendered. Fully surrendered. Fully surrendered. I'm ready to fully surrender my life to you, God. You have it all. You have it all. You have it all. I'm giving everything to you, God. There is no sacrifice too great. There is no call so holy. 
I give it all to you, God. I give it all. I give it all. I give it all. I never want to be the same. I never want to be the same. I want to be one who stands with the angelic army to do the will of God and administrate his kingdom on earth. Come on, come on, come on. When your faith rises to that place where you're ready to take hold of it, I want you to lift your hand right now in the name of Jesus Christ and profess the healing power of God to flow through you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Chains are coming off of you right now. Chains, 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 chains are coming off of you right now. Sister, be delivered by the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, come on, come on. Some of you have been living for God so long, you thought that this is over. I'll never have it again. God has rewarded your faithfulness with a messenger angel of God. He's about to visit your children and grandchildren. He's about to take hold of hearts that have been told. That thing that has scorned you, that thing that has cursed you, that thing that has maligned you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sheda ba 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 katorobosa. Ha 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 ha. Weariness. Iko robosha tayala ba ba ba. Ha. The Lord has heard your cry. The Lord has heard your cry. He heard you in the midnight hour say, I can't take any more of this, God. I don't have the strength for it. There's an angel of the living God with you. Rest is coming. He will fight for battle. There it is, sister. Go on and get it, get it, get it, get it. Hallelujah. Recover it. Take it back. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. To encounter your love, your love surrounds us. Oh, you surround me. You surround me with your love, Jesus. Oh, the 